Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com. D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M dot com. WBUR Podcasts. Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. WBUR senior education reporter Carrie Young, welcome back to The Common. Hey, Daryl. Good to see you again. Yes, yes, yes. Glad to have you. So, Carrie, February break is less than two weeks away for public school students around the state, except for those in Newton. That's because the Newton Teachers Association held a strike in mid-January that closed schools for 11 days. And students will have to make up those days. Now, the union alleged that many educators were struggling to keep up with the rising cost of living. And they had been working without a contract since August of last year. The strike ended last week on Friday after negotiations led to a deal for a new four-year contract between the union and the Newton School Committee. And Carrie, we're going to get into the details of this new contract with you because you've been following this strike and the negotiations. But first, I want you to set the scene for us. Tell us about Newton and its community. Yeah, so Newton is a community where the median income, according to the Census Bureau, is about $197,000 a year per family. The teachers there, the there's about 2,000 people who are members of the Newton Teachers Association. As far as the schools there go, they are known to have high performance, good quality teaching, and that kind of thing. And so, you know, I guess there is some argument. A lot of residents would think that there should be enough tax revenue to meet some of the demands that the teachers were hoping to get in their new contract which included a significant raise for teachers' aides. Um, They're technically called paraprofessionals. Um, And also even just like hiring more social workers to help students who might be having a mental health crisis. But that is not the case. For a while, Newton City Hall was saying, you know, we just don't have the money to be able to cover the costs for these things. And after months and months of negotiations, that's kind of what led us to this point. Mm. So take us to the moment where the teachers decided they were going to strike. What exactly did it? What was the straw that broke the camel's back? So you mentioned the amount of time that the teachers had gone without a contract, but really negotiations for the new contract began in October of 2022, so 16 months ago. Mm. And so it had just taken a very long time, and the district, they say, hadn't really been responsive to all of the other actions that they had taken to try to get the district to negotiate a little bit more with them. Um, They had done rallies. They had signed petitions. There were a lot of things that they tried to do before the strike happened, and I think they just decided, you know what, now's the time. And A lot of people in the union supported that. It was a 98% support rate in favor of that move. So they definitely had the solidarity there to take this really kind of politically risky move. Mm. All right. So 
The strike lasted 11 school days. Bring us into the negotiations over that time. Now, I was not in the negotiation room uh, at all, really. So I should put that out there. But, you know, I did follow the press conferences from the union and from the school committee. And so based on what I heard from those press conferences during the first week, there wasn't a lot of movement. The two parties were only meeting for a couple hours in the morning and a couple hours in the afternoon. And most of the time, you know, you would hear union leaders come out at 730. That was when their nightly press conference always was saying, guys, we don't have a deal. Now, that changed in the second week of the strike. Pretty much every day you would hear both parties say we are making some progress there were some sticking points. There was some tension that came out from both sides. But but that was when a lot of the progress was made, I would say. And I did talk to Mike Zillis, who is the Newton Teachers Association president. And I asked him, what was it like, you know, inside the negotiating room during those last few hours? It was it was tough. You know, it was like, at what point do we compromise to get the agreement and on what do we hold firm. So there's a lot of tension around those decisions which are being made in a period of three or four hours, but are going to have a deep impact on membership for the next four years. Mm -hmm. What's in the contract? Yeah, so there were definitely some concessions and compromises from the union. And you can see that in the final contract. You know, uh, one thing that they were asking for was to have a social worker in every school building. Now, they did not get that. The district did agree to hire an additional, it says 5.6 social workers. So that was definitely a compromise there. The other big point that they were pushing for and won was a significant increase for paraprofessionals, teacher's aides, the starting salary for those employees in Newton was about $28,000 a year. Hmm. It's not really a living wage. And so they were demanding more money for that group, and they did get a 30% bump in pay there. The other thing they negotiated for was a slight bump in the cost of living increase. People got at least a 12% bump every year worked into their contract. And they also got additional time for parental leave. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. 
Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Carrie Young. So I want to bring it back to the families, you know, who had to wait out uh, this strike. Can you talk more about how they were affected? Yeah, I mean, families were absolutely affected by the strike. If you had a younger child and both parents worked, then, you know, you were struggling to find childcare. If you were a teenager, you know, you were a little bit more self-sufficient and on your own. Mm. One of the parents I talked to in Newton, his name is Nils Steenstrup. He has a high schooler, a senior, actually. And he said, you know, it was kind of reminiscent of the pandemic, and he hated that for his child. Let's hear how he describes it. They were a freshman during COVID. And I think for, for all the kids... There was a bit of PTSD with the suddenness of the end of school and being at home and trying to figure out, like, how do we manage this and so on. So that that's just an extra extra amount of anxiety and trauma that, that students today probably don't need. Yeah. And he mentions anxiety there. You know, he has a senior. And so they were trying to get transcripts into colleges. And with the schools being closed, then that kind of added some complexity to that process. And then Nils even said, you know, his senior was in um, drama and there was a play coming up and they're going to have to bump that. So it really just affected a lot of a student's kind of school life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teachers and students, they return to school this week. What was the first day back like? Well, the way Nils described it to me is in his house, it kind of felt like the first day of school after summer break, just a sense of excitement to go see your friends again and kind of have a sense of normalcy, a sense of routine. I talked to a teacher yesterday and he said, you know, it was just wonderful to be back in the school, to be with kids. I know the teacher I spoke with was also very excited about the contract that was ratified on Sunday and there was 98% agreement there. Now, I didn't get a chance to talk to the school committee. I reached out to them earlier in the week They didn't respond to my request, but I was listening back to a recording of the press conference that they held right after the agreement was struck last week. And you can just hear in committee chair Chris Bresky's voice that he's tired and he kind of sounds a little bit emotional. Let's let's hear him. This strike has been painful for NPS families in the entire city of Newton. It's been a long couple weeks and probably one that no one will look back on fondly. It's going to take time for the city to heal, for our schools to heal. And we ask for patience and leadership from all the adults in our community. And he also said something that struck me, too, that, you know, we're going to take a breath, we're going to take a beat, but then we're going to get back to thinking about how can we make sure that this never happens again? So one thing I find interesting about all of this is that in Massachusetts, it's illegal for teachers to strike. And as a result, the Newton Teachers Association actually accrued fines during the 11-day work stoppage. Tell us more about that. 
Yeah, it is illegal to strike, like you mentioned, for municipal employees. So that includes like firefighters, police, and also teachers. The Newton Teachers Association accrued about $625,000 in fines over, you know, the whole 11 days of the strike. And the union says they do have the money to cover it. But either way, when they were asked throughout the strike, you know, is this something that's going to push you to stop the strike or negotiate while kids are back in school? And they kept saying, you know, no, we're not going to go back into classes until we get a fair contract. So for them, it was not a deterrent. The fines are meant to be a deterrent in this case, but they said that they had donations and they did still have some reserves. So for them, they were just going to keep going. Is there anything being done to change this law so that teachers can strike? Yeah. So on Beacon Hill right now, there is pending legislation to allow teachers to be able to strike, to not make it illegal so that these fines would not begin accruing. And that bill is it hasn't really gone anywhere. It is also a bill that has been introduced repeatedly over the last eight or 10 years. But I did speak to a couple of the sponsors of this bill, and they told me, you know, They're not quite sure what this strike will do exactly for this bill, but it's definitely increased the amount of talk about it. So maybe, you know, next legislative session or later this legislative session, we might see a little bit more movement on this than we had in the past, but it's a little too early to say. I want to ask you this question here. I was trying to think of it earlier um, as we were talking about the disruption that this causes, right? And also adding into that the fact that for teachers to strike in Massachusetts is illegal. It feels like so much of this, the negative aspect of it, gets put on the teachers striking and not on the conditions through which these teachers had to work through, or, you know, at least according to their perspective, right? Right. Something about this seems a little unfair. And I'm I'm wondering if there is something larger looking forward that we can take from this strike. Yeah, I do think this Newton strike is part of a wave of strikes that have happened in recent years. There was Malden and then there was Haverhill. There's been kind of a wave recently. And in some ways, some of the demands were similar, like better paraprofessional pay and things like that. But in other ways, you know, they're all kind of different. And so I think... The people who are for this law that would make striking legal say, you know, it is unfortunate that we have to strike to get movement on our contract. And so we think that if that is on the table to begin with, that this disruptive action is on the table to begin with, that there is a little bit more incentive for school committees and cities to more meaningfully negotiate for some of the demands. Carrie, thank you so much for coming through to talk with us. We really appreciate you and your work. As always, it's a pleasure. Yeah, Daryl, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you and join the comment. That's WBUR senior education reporter Carrie Young. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to learn more about this Newton teacher strike and the new deal they just reached, head on over to WBUR.org and check out Carrie's coverage. You'll learn a lot. 
Also, if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.